0: Greetings, friends! Today's episode is special because we have a special friend, guest, and fellow feminist, Hari! Say
1: hi. hi guys!
0: So excited to have you on this show! I'm super excited to be here! more importantly today's episode is interesting because we're going to be talking about moral policing fun and topics fun times it is super fun <laughs> this episode was something we worked on for a project and we thought it would be interesting to share it with all of you so hurry are you excited
1: bro i'm damn excited This is the first time I'm going to be on a podcast, so I'm just like really panicky also a little bit. But, uh, you know, when I'm rich and famous, I can uh, throw back, you know how it'd be.
0: Hey, I feel this grip, my bro. This is episode six, Moral Policing. We're largely
1: going to keep in mind the Indian context. And with that, here's a general trigger warning. We're going to be talking about instances of graphic violence violence against women, sexual assault, rape, and a few other um, distasteful examples. With that, let's get
0: right into it. What is the moral police, you ask? Well, that's a wonderful question. Because before we understand who moral police is us, we must look at what it essentially is. Moral policing is the act of policing individuals on the basis of the conventional societal morality. Now the moral police are groups, especially in India, who act to enforce that particular societal code of morality. They come in various forms, uh, like vigilante groups, organizations, and affiliated citizens, like your Padoswali auntie, or that gunda who's always out to get the couples. There have been many instances of, you know, even police force and the government officials, both at the state and center level, who have engaged in moral policing. There are multiple incidents of moral policing in India on a daily basis. These can perpetuate in the form of acid attacks, vandalism, violence, changing institutional syllabus, uh, imposing restrictions on nightlife, censoring cinema and media, and even rape. Why is it that these groups or individuals are doing this? Like, What motivates them to do this? Well, it's simply because they want to protect their family's reputation and uh, feed the patriarchal mindset which harps on the idea to ensure that the weak, docile woman is devoid of any autonomy and is simply a vessel of purity born to propagate the lineage. Their common rationale is to preserve Indian culture and sanskar from the corruption of Western culture and anything immoral.
1: Some examples of movements against moral policing in India are the Pink Chadi campaign of 2009, which uh, happened in Mangalore, and then um, Kiss of Love campaign from 2014, which originated from Kerala and Samyukta Hegde's This is Wrong campaign, which initially uh, started from Karnataka and then sort of blew up all over social media a few months ago. Now, laws from the Indian Penal Code that are often used to justify moral policing are sections 292, 293 and 294. These deal with obscenity in the form of books, paintings, film, sale of obscene material in general, and mainly, obscene acts in public. Now here, obscene act is open to interpretation because they haven't defined it in the law. So people and the police are free to interpret it as they please. There's also the Immoral Traffic Prevention Act of 1956 or PITA, which was originally a law against human trafficking, but it began to get misused by the police to raid hotels without warrants and arrest consenting couples in the garb of a sex racket. This not only is embarrassing for the couple, but is also a blatant violation of personal space and autonomy.
0: Now, our first claim, which is also our main claim, is that moral policing is inherently and directly connected to rape culture. According to Wikipedia, uh, RAPE CULTURE IS A SOCIOLOGICAL CONCEPT FOR A SETTING IN WHICH RAPE IS PERVASIVE DUE TO THE SOCIETAL ATTITUDES ABOUT GENDER AND SEXUALITY. THESE PREVAILING ATTITUDES HAVE AN EFFECT OF NORMALIZING uh, OR TRIVIALIZING SEXUAL ASSAULT AND ABUSE. WE ARE ASSERTING THAT THE MORAL POLICE AND RAPE CULTURE HAVE A CAUSAL RELATIONSHIP. AND WHILE THIS MAY NOT BE IMMEDIATELY APPARENT, IT STILL STANDS and here's why. Moral policing promotes victim blaming, which is an integral part of rape culture. It puts the onus on the victim to behave in a certain way rather than making the uh, perpetrator take responsibility. For example, uh, there was the Gurugram incident in 2019 where an elderly woman shamed a group of girls for wearing revealing clothes. There were seven men present in the vicinity, and she also incited them to rape these girls. Thankfully, the men just laughed it off as a joke, and this video was uh, widely circulated on social media.
1: But the thing is, there's so many people out there claiming that rape culture is a myth. I mean, I know, right? It was sort of inconceivable to me as well, but um, they believe that the concept lacks logic and is misandristic. Is, is that a word? Misandristic? Make
0: it a word, I guess.
1: <laughs> they believe that the concept lacks logic and is misandristic in nature. So what we are saying is that rape culture is a spectrum that begins with smaller acts of harassment and gradually increases in intensity. These people disagree with that and say making this a spectrum undermines actual acts of rape and equates all harassment to rape which is a flawed argument because that's not what we're doing. They also say that rape culture claims only women can be raped and not men, which again is not what we're saying at all. So both their claims are born out of misunderstanding,
0: I think. So I read an essay called The Rape Culture Myth by Kathy Young, which is an academic paper, academic essay that argues that rape culture is a myth And doesn't exist. This sort of the argument there is that you know um, it damages the quality of fairness by only believing the victim and labeling and defaming the perpetrator. The paper seemed to talk about victims in general sense like in a very general sense of someone who is claiming to be raped and um, It banks on the idea and, uh, you know, thrives off of the idea of the fact that um, these victims are the people who lie about being raped. And the paper also talks about the various effects of rape culture and it, it portrays men as, you know, not always the problem. And apparently, rape culture is derived of misinformation and fuzzy value. Uh, frankly, it was wow. so hard to get through it I know. and um, I did it. So, yay! Okay, but to
1: all this, I only have to say, look up the rape culture pyramid by Levin's principle consent. It's, it's a brilliant diagram and um, it talks about the normalization of certain behaviors, terms and phrases, which leads to degradation, which then ultimately leads to assault. The words in the pyramid from the bottom to the top, increasing in severity, are sexist attitudes, rape jokes, locker room banter, catcalling, unwanted non-sexual touch, stalking, flashing and exposing, unsolicited nude pictures or videos, groping, non-consensual photo or video, revenge porn, safe word violation, coercion or manipulation, threats victim blaming and shaming which is uh, which is what moral policing is contraceptive sabotage stealthing which is a uh, covert condom removal molestation drugging and ultimately
0: rape hmm. i mean when i come to think about it another counter uh, would be that moral policing actually reduces rape Uh, I mean, when I thought about this counter sort of stems from the uh, sanskar and Indian culture is respectful to women argument, which says that if women obediently stick to Indian culture, they won't get harassed or raped in the first place. So in this effect, the moral policing helps women stay within respectable boundaries and thus, you know, protecting them in some twisted way. But the thing is, by saying that moral
1: policing reduces rape by making women more respectable, you're essentially saying that it's only a certain kind of woman that gets raped. You're saying that only quote-unquote modern, rebellious, socially deviant women get raped. But we know that's not true because I personally know women from all walks of life who have been harassed, young children, adolescents, Married women, unmarried women, older women, submissive women, outspoken women, women wearing revealing clothes, women covered head to toe. Because honestly, none of this matters. This whole Anskari argument just reinforces the idea that women don't and shouldn't have any autonomy over their lives, they're just vessels of purity, it's a- and to carry on lineage. This argument again just places the burden on the woman to behave a certain way and if she even slightly deviates from what is dictated to her, makes men feel entitled to violate her, often in extreme ways like we've seen.
0: Now our second claim states that moral policing cannot be viewed as isolated events and is a systemic issue that targets minority groups. Uh, What do you have to say about that? Thinking about
1: that, I feel like people will bring up the fact that upper castes also go through moral policing. Because personally, I know I've been moral policed. So many times when I'm at home, my mom and my grandmother will tell me not to go braless because it's indecent and will invite stares from male relatives. Which, um, if freaking old men are going to be staring at my boobs, maybe we shouldn't allow them into the house in the first place, right? Right. I'm sure I'm sure a lot of our viewers who are upper caste will also have gone through the same.
0: So mm, to this well I think you look at it through intersectionality and that is the key. Yes, upper castes do get moral police but it's not upper caste people in general. It's mainly upper caste women and queer individuals who experience this. So it's mainly upper caste minorities. You know um Another counter for our main claim can be that uh, some countries have it worse than India does. I mean, like places where women aren't even given basic rights, for example, in South Africa and Saudi Arabia. Uh, In our case, we're just, you know, complaining about something trivial. Because in India, women and men uh, are actually equal in the legal and constitutional sense. Good point. But actually, according to a 2019
1: Forbes report, South Africa is the number one dangerous country in the world for women travelers to go to. So you're right there. And Saudi is the 12th. So, valid point again. But guess what? Guess where India is? Ninth. Whoa. But actually, the ninth. I know, right? Though Saudi is globally the most legally discriminating country. India boasts of having the most on-ground gender inequality over all the other countries. According to a Thomas Reuters Foundation Perception poll conducted in 2019, India is literally the worst country in the world for a woman to live in, especially ranking high in human trafficking, sexual violence, and societal discrimination. We really need to get to a better standard of living Shreya and legal equality does not translate to reality. And also, instead of comparing ourselves to countries not as well off as us, especially ones with major human rights violations, shouldn't we be looking at countries doing better than us? Places like Finland, Norway, Netherlands, Denmark and Iceland are known for their respectful treatment of human rights.
0: Isn't that what we should aim for? Well, so I guess you at least Aim for the moon so we can fall amongst the stars, no? Hari, honestly, do you think moral policing is actually about morality?
1: Not at all. I think it's actually about dominant societal morality. Just like honor killing, right? Calling it honor killing implies that there is some honor being upheld. But that's just not true. Similarly, calling it moral policing gives it some kind of morality in place. But the truth is, moral policing is as immoral as you can get.
0: So instead of moral policing others and enforcing our morality on them, we should attempt to understand and learn to accept people with all their humanness. None of us like to be forced into behaving a certain way or doing things that you know we're uncomfortable with. So ultimately we should aim to live in a society that is just, equitable, sustainable and well, humane. So that wraps up this episode on moral policing. Stay tuned for more interesting episodes and collaborations with some of my wonderful friends. Hope you all have a lovely week. Woohoo. See you all in the next episode. Drink that tea, don't spill it.